and thanks for joining us for the About Books program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. This series looks at the business of publishing with news updates, insider interviews, and timely information about new books. And in a few minutes on About Books, we'll look at the January 6th tapes. It's a 20-hour audiobook of the House January 6th Select Committee hearings about the 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol. But first, here's some of the latest news from the publishing world. Well, at the end of each calendar year, many publications post their favorite books of the year. Here's a look at some for 2022. The Financial Times announced that Chris Miller won its Business Book of the Year award for his book, Chip War, The Fight for the World's Most Critical Technology. And from the world of historical literature, Taya Miles, a professor at Harvard University, won McGill University's Kundal History Prize for her book, All That She Carried, The Journey of Ashley Sack, A Black Family's Keepsake. That's about the seventh major award that All That She Carried has won. And here are some other notable books of 2022. Amazon's best nonfiction books list includes Beth Macy's Raising Lazarus, which continues her award-winning look at the opioid and drug crisis facing the U.S. Also on that list is scientist David Quammen's Breathless, which chronicles the fight to trace and create a vaccine for COVID. And Mark Bergen's Like, Comment, Subscribe about the creation of YouTube is also on Amazon's list. Here's a portion of a recent talk Mr. Bergen gave for Book TV. So I have been covering Google since 2015, and, and then it became Alphabet. And, and really, it's, it's an expanding uh, business conglomerate and empire. Uh, and during that time, YouTube, uh, its, its media division, became increasingly important for the company's bottom line. Uh, it also became uh, increasingly important for the company's political hurdles uh, and some of their major business problems uh, in the past seven years. And so during that time, I was reporting on um, a lot of the major crises that, that YouTube and its parent company dealt with, uh, sort of fire after fire. And what I saw was a really fascinating, uh, in a short period of time, this whiplash where you have these employees at, the, at, at Google and YouTube who see themselves as uh, an underdog to traditional media, to traditional corporate world and, and Hollywood. Uh, and then within a few short years, the Google and YouTube is viewed almost equivalent to big tobacco. Uh, and you've seen the social media backlash. Uh, Google's faced uh, intense amount of uh, unprecedented political scrutiny I thought this was a fascinating story about this uh, media platform that's really, despite its size and influence, just not had the same level of attention as some of its peers. And I thought within that story that you have plenty of fascinating characters on YouTube and then inside the company you have this whiplash of going from the underdog uh, to sort of seen as big tech uh, and seen as something that for associated with a lot of uh, problems in democracy. Now, Book TV has covered discussions with all three of these Amazon Best Books of 2022 authors. They're all available to watch online in their entirety at booktv.org. Well, another Best Book list of 2022 was put out by the Los Angeles Times. On that list, David Marinus with his latest, a biography, 
about the Native American athlete Jim Thorpe. It's entitled Path Lit by Lightning, which was Jim Thorpe's native name. Also on the list is Jack Davis's The Bald Eagle, about how the bird became America's national symbol. And Pulitzer Prize winning author Stacy Schiff was also picked by the Los Angeles Times for a best book of 2022. Her most recent, the revolutionary Samuel Adams. Here's a portion of a recent author talk by Stacy Schiff. Samuel Adams um, is an extraordinarily astute, very enterprising, um, ingenious, I guess we would say sort of America's first politician. He's a little bit of a political operative. Um, He's an 18th century, downwardly mobile, um, brilliantly educated, um, double graduate of Harvard, who has an obsession with politics and has a tremendous sensitivity to rights and liberties being infringed, which we can talk, and we can talk about where that comes from, and who has at his disposal um, two rather um, unique qualities. One, he has a tremendously fluent pen, and in fact, he first comes to prominence because he is largely burnishing other friends' prose. They know that they can give their pages to Adams to be, as they put it, burnished and polished. Um, and he is also a tremendous... Um, changer of minds, I guess I would say. He's extremely good at, um, with or without brass knuckle tactics, persuading people that their rights um, are vital and that they need to stand up for their rights and connecting people who would otherwise not be connected um, into, as he will ultimately design them, various efforts at civil resistance like boycotts and pickets and extra-legal meetings. So I, I'm, I'm not sure what that is. He's like a convincer-in-chief. He's a champion mm-hmm. persuader in many ways. And again, all three of these books, biographies of Jim Thorpe, The Bald Eagle, and Samuel Adams, cited by the Los Angeles Times as best books of 2022, can be viewed in their entirety on our website, booktv.org. And now a focus on a recently released audiobook. The January 6th Tapes is a 20-hour unabridged audiobook of the House January 6th Committee's hearings about the 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol. It was released by Pushkin Industries. Brendan Noonan oversees the audiobook program at Pushkin, and he recently joined us to talk about the project. Mr. Noonan, why an audiobook? What are we going to get from that that we can't get from reading the hearings or watching them? Well, um, you're speaking to someone who's worked in audio most of his career as a broadcast journalist, and I do believe the audio medium in general has an intimacy uh, and uh, a portability that other mediums do not. Um, you can't read a book while doing the dishes. Um, you can maybe read a book at the gym. Uh, so in general, I think the format allows itself, you know, it just allows, it's a media that allows people to take it different places. Specifically with these hearings, um, the testimony is so compelling Um, It was so well put together. The committee did such an excellent job in creating uh, or filling their mandate of uh, House Resolution 503 that um, we thought it was best to share it directly with people um, as opposed to just a summary of it, which, you know, they'll produce a summary. uh, It'll come out uh, into the world. People will be able to read that book. Um, Also, there'll probably be a narrator reading the summary of the book. But it really isn't as moving as hearing the testimony from the Capitol Police officers, from the former attorney general, and all of the witnesses and testimony that was gathered for the committee. So this audio book will be unabridged? 
It is unabridged. Uh, we do put interstitials in to kind of help a listener at home who can't see something. So uh, for example, if someone nods their head instead of saying out loud, no, we have a narrator who uh, says, tells the listener, clues them in on what's happening. So we, you know, we'll, we'll fill in the dots, the blanks for visual cues. But other than that, it is unabridged. How much production went into this audiobook? It's a fair amount of production. Uh, it just in, in bulk. Uh, I've worked on all sorts of documentaries. I would say the committee and their team did the hard part, which was collecting the voices, editing it, putting together a narrative, having hosts. And they did a pretty uh, darn good job of uh, cluing people in at home on who, who you were listening to and repeating things for people joining halfway through. So they did a lot of the legwork. But as far as producing this, it was a matter of uh, gathering the raw audio, listening to it closely, finding those moments which would be disorienting for someone who's listening instead of watching or reading, uh, and then having a narrator fill those moments, uh, and then mastering it and organizing it in a way that's accessible and easy for people to listen to. Now, Brendan Noonan, you also put an introduction on with Preet Bharara. Why? Uh, well, as you know, Preet, who now has a podcast, Stay Preet, but is the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District, uh, is very qualified to speak on constitutional matters, which the January 6th, events of January 6th certainly touch upon. He's also covered this a bit on his podcast, talking to Jamie Raskin and others. And we just wanted someone to kind of contextualize um, these hearings. I, I think the, the other reason we wanted to put them in the world is people are busy. I'm busy. We're working day in, day out. When the hearings were happening, you would catch a little bit at night on television or maybe a little bit in the morning on the radio. But um, to understand how rich they were and how well executed they were it, it, it and to stop it, to take some time in your life to actually listen to them requires an invitation. And Preet seemed like a, a great person to, to um, provide that invitation to people. So this audio book is available now. Is that correct? That is correct. How yes. many how many downloads so far? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I haven't <laughs> I honestly haven't checked since we put it into the world because I've been on to my uh next project, but um at least thousands last time I checked in, but um I don't have the exact number at the moment. And if people were interested in downloading these January 6th audiobook hearings, where would they go? Uh, they could go to pushkin.fm, which is our website, where we have an audiobook store where people can download it and purchase it directly. The advantage of that is they can download the uh, January 6th tapes, and they can listen to it in any place they normally listen to podcasts. So they can listen to it in Apple Podcasts, or they can listen to it in their Spotify app or Pocket Cast. So it, you can listen to it anywhere. Um, or if people get their audiobooks or are more accustomed to getting them through Apple Books or through Audible, uh, they're available there as well. How much does it cost? That is that is an excellent question. You caught me off guard there, Peter. I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed that I don't have the exact number. Um, I could look it up, but I, I don't want to I don't want to disrupt our, our conversation. Uh, so I apologize. Perhaps a producer can help us with that. Well, Mr. Noonan, what is Pushkin Industries? So Pushkin Industries is an audio publishing company uh, founded a few years ago by uh, the author Malcolm Gladwell and Jacob Weisberg, who is the former head of Slate. Uh, and it's an audio publishing company that works in two formats primarily. One is podcasts. Uh, we have several dozen podcasts in the world uh, from Revisionist History, which is Malcolm's, Michael Lewis's Against the Rules, Jill Lepore's, The Last Archive. 
mostly made up of uh, nonfiction, popular nonfiction authors. Um, they're intelligent, they have the integrity, they're, they're journalistically rigorous, uh, and they're whimsical and they're, and they're engaging. And so that is kind of the, the broader brand. And our podcasts deliver that seasonally, and they're free and available on all podcast channels. And then we also have this audiobook uh, section, which is what, what I work on, which is another way people listen to information. Uh, and in that world, we do two sorts of things. One, we create auto, audio originals, which are documentaries or um, audio books that we make from whole cloth. I recently did a project on Paul Simon. It was a musical memoir. We thought this was um, a story better heard uh, than read, because when you're talking about the sounds of silence, you want to hear the sounds of silence. And we did just that. And so far, we've uh, created around a dozen of these audio originals. And these um, you can purchase as audio books through Audible or directly through our website. Well, one of the compelling things about the January 6th events and hearings was some of the visual elements, the members running through the halls of Congress, et cetera. How do you address that in this audiobook? You know, video outstrips um, audio in many, in many departments and audio also outstrips video in others. So as I mentioned earlier, Every time there's a visual element where the listener might be disoriented, we have a narrator come in explaining what happens. But if you listen to these, as I have in their totality, there aren't that many blind spots. Maybe a certain element of urgency that you would get, a visceral feeling you might receive from seeing something uh, is dampened because you're not seeing it. But I would say that that's maybe counterbalanced by um, the, the deep uh, insight you get into the human voice and the emotion in many of these people speaking when they're talking about um, the, uh, the events that happened. Um, you know, for example, on um, I believe it was day four, uh, which is when they talked about the president's pressure on election workers. You had Ruby Freeman. You had all these um, uh, Georgia kind of election workers there. They were so you, you can hear in their voice. It, they're quaking. Uh, from this is just the anxiety and pressure they felt uh, put upon them by the president directly and just the, the importance of their position and the fragility of, of democracy generally. And honestly, being not seeing the visual element, just sitting with someone speaking and hearing their breaths and hearing those beats um, provides a certain emotional immediacy that I would argue is maybe more profound than visual. So, Brendan Noonan, this is about 20 hours of audiobook, the January 6th hearings, correct? That's correct. What about when the final report comes out? Do you plan a follow-up with the final report? The, the final report is a summary itself, and that will be available. Many people will make that available. If there is an additional hearing, yes, we will add um, an addendum chapter. They're basically our chapters are days. We have day one through nine. If there is a day 10 where they release their findings and have a ceremony around that and, and, and do kind of um, um, a committee hearing around that, we will release that as an additional chapter. So what are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the mistakes you can make when creating an audiobook? Uh, I, I think what we look for at a project, and we talk to many people about many sorts of projects, I think the key element is there needs to be a reason to tell it in sound. Um, you've asked some questions about what about this versus print? What about this versus visual? If, if a story is better told that way, if something happened, if it's a historical story that happened in the 18th century and there's no audio component to it, 
then we'll probably stay away from it because there's maybe a better way to tell the story. So that's where we center most of our projects. They're around music, they're around uh, actors, they're around um, things about the voice or, or certain scientific things where sound is an important element. Um, and so I think the one pitfall would be not doing that and undergoing one of these productions without think thinking about that. Um, the other is, I think something audio is, is akin to writing where a lot of people can do it now. We have voice memos on our phone. We're used to Zoom now after COVID communicating uh, with family members. But quality audio, <laughs> which uh, is mixed and clear and clean and and the, and the groomed, um, is it it make it does have a different feeling and it and if you do not do those things it tries the patience of the listener and so i think there are just it's uh akin to film versus uh, a video shot on your phone there are qualities that can make it um richer and um a more satisfying experience for a listener and i think if you a hobbyist were to try it i think they could get rung up in um in in that as well so brendan newnam of pushkin industries the growth of audiobooks has continued for the last 10 years or so. Correct? It has been a, a big growth sector, yes. Um, audio in general with podcasts has grown and we can see that continue to, to grow. Um, in the publishing industry, audiobooks is one of the most successful uh, profit centers of print books, uh, actually. And so um, those rights are valuable and uh, continue to be more so. And yes, more and more uh, people appear to be listening. Each time there's a study or an analysis done, uh, the numbers appear that, that people are growing. It's not too much of a surprise. I'm speaking to you right now. I'm wearing AirPods. These didn't exist a few years ago. They make it even easier to be listening to things. Uh, and, and also the offerings are richer. Pushkin, as well as other companies, are making things uh, for the ear specifically. That makes it more compelling. And I feel like the, the barrier to entry is a little bit lower and people are, are listening more. How did you get into this? That's a, that's a good question. Uh, years ago, uh, out of out of college, I uh, saw an ad in the local newspaper to date me, uh, and it was for a research assistant for a job uh, for a show that you may be familiar with called Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Uh, that was my first job out of the gate. I would run to the library and research actors and, and whoever Terry was speaking with, and I got bit by the bug. I, I loved the... Um, I loved the production. I loved the, the people that worked there. At that time, they were cutting tape in order to put together the interviews. Um, I, I loved uh, being surrounded by arts and culture and cultural journalism generally. And that was the beginning of, uh, of my career and kind of love affair with audio. And you have your own podcast as well, correct? That is correct. Over the years, I've had uh, a handful of podcasts. I, I And most recently, I have a show called uh, Not Lost, which is a podcast put up by Pushkin. It's a travel show, uh, ostensibly, where I travel from Montreal to uh, Mexico City, visiting uh, cities. And I try to get invited to a dinner party in each town, the theory being that only by breaking Read with people in each of these towns, uh, can you truly understand uh, what it means to live there and be there? Now, Brendan Newnham, your physical book, Brunch is Hell, have you done an audio book of that? I, I have. I, I did many years, when I when we released Brunch is Hell, um, we did the audio book and we narrated it ourselves. Uh, and that was kind of in the style of what you'll hear many audiobooks, but not the ones of Pushkin, in that I went into an anonymous studio in, in Manhattan and they just ran me right through it. I, re I read it straight straight through. 
didn't even do pickups or 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 slow down my my read and then they threw it out into the world uh fortunately i had some experience doing radio so it worked out but if i had to do it again i probably would have uh, been more deliberate and made it a little richer brendan newnham is vice president at pushkin industries the january 6th 20 hours of unabridged hearings is available as an audiobook at pushkin.fm for $14.99. Mr. Noonan, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on. And you're watching and listening to About Books, a program produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Well, each Tuesday, dozens of new books are published. One of the latest is a little bit unique. It was put out by a news website called Publishers Lunch, and it's entitled The Trial, the DOJ suit to block Penguin Random House's acquisition of Simon and Schuster. The book is being billed as a compilation of the news website's day-to-day -day coverage of the antitrust trial. It was a trial that ended with a federal judge's decision to prevent a proposed $2.2 billion merger of two of the largest publishing houses. Now, the hardback book also includes trial analysis and an edited version of the full public testimony, as well as various pre- and post-trial documents. It retails for about $100, it's nearly 1,200 pages long, and it weighs in at over six and a half pounds. Well, coming up on Book TV is our Afterwards program, and this week it's entrepreneur and AOL co-founder Steve Case. He talked with Atlantic Magazine CEO Nicholas Thompson about his new book, The Rise of the Rest, about his efforts to create startup opportunities, spur innovation, and create jobs. When we decided to make these investments, uh, we said to the, in, the investors we asked to participate, and we went out and talked to some of the, the most uh, celebrated entrepreneurs in the country, celebrated investors in the country, people like Jeff Bezos, who founded Amazon, or Howard Schultz from uh, from Starbucks or Tory Burch, who started her, her own company, or investors like Ray Dalio, ran you know the largest hedge fund in in, in the world. Uh, Mike Milken, who's been an innovator in in the financial world. Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, and several dozen others. And we said we want to launch this fund, this Rise of the Rest fund, that's going to back these entrepreneurs all across the country in these rising cities. And our goal is to generate top tier returns, top tier investment returns because that would not just re generate returns for you all, but also would signal to investors on the coast to pay more attention to the entrepreneurs in the middle, uh, middle of the country. And yeah. so it has been very important, even though there are some broader impact uh, uh, ideas that we talked about in terms of job creation and economic vitality in, the, in, the, in these communities. Uh, first and foremost, we've got to generate great returns because that really will you know, get some of those investors paying less attention to the entrepreneurs in their own backyard, say, in Silicon Valley, and more attention to these dozens of cities all across the country that are showing real remarkable uh, momentum. And a reminder that Afterwards airs every Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Book TV. Well, thanks for joining us for About Books, a program and podcast produced by C-SPAN's Book TV. Book TV will continue to bring you publishing news and new author programs, and you can get this podcast and all other C-SPAN produced podcasts on the C-SPAN Now app. You can also watch any of our programs online anytime at booktv.org.